0: Tonight's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by ZipRecruiter. The best teams start with great talent, like the New England Patriots. Yeah. I'm only saying that because Mina Kimes is coming on a little bit later and she's going to be traumatized by Super Bowl 49 when I bring it up. I can't wait. Uh, No one knows the importance of talent more than ZipRecruiter. So effective. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free. Go to zipcruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, M&M's Hazelnut. Oh yeah. Take your game day treats to the next level with the new M&M's Hazelnut Spread Chocolate Candies covered in smooth M&M's Milk Chocolate, delivering a mouth-watering blend of chocolate and hazelnut in every bite-sized piece. Enjoy them on their own or use them to spruce up your favorite desserts. Like when I went to the movies the other day and I brought a pack and I threw them in popcorn because that's my move. Go hazelnutty. Try the new M&M's hazelnut spread chocolate candies today. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network where you can find today we put them up new podcasts from David Chang and Larry Wilmore. Two of my favorites as well as the Ringer NFL show is, is still dying to help you with your fantasy. Uh, I know you probably have a draft or an auction this week, maybe next week. Listen to the Danish football guys, and you can hear all their tips as we get closer and closer to week one, which we're going to talk about with Mina Kimes in a second. She works for ESPN. She has a podcast called The Mina Kimes Show with Lenny that you should subscribe to if you haven't already. And uh, we're going to talk about football. I haven't talked about football enough. My apologies, America. I should be doing a better job. I can still get better. I'm turning 50 next month. Guess what? I still feel like I can get better. And one of the ways we're going to get better is we're going to talk football for the next 100 minutes with Mina Kimes. First, our friends from Pearl All right, Minacom's coming up in one second. don't to mention some Ringer news that I'm fired up about. Mallory Rubin is the new editor-in-chief of The Ringer starting on October 1st. This is something that has been in the works for us for, uh, for a while. Sean Fantasy, we had promoted him to chief content officer a couple months ago with the plan being we would spend the next couple months trying to get Mallory to do this website. And it's complicated because... Unfortunately, and fortunately for us, she's also one of our best talents, and she has binge bowed and she pops on a couple of different podcasts that we have. She was on the rewatchables this week, and uh, we just had to figure out how to balance everything. We honestly did look into cloning because I know people have cloned. Um, I know people have cloned dogs, so we were like, could we take Mallory's DNA? We looked into it and unfortunately when you clone somebody, they still have to start out as a baby and all this stuff. So the timing didn't add up, but um, so she's taking over on October 1st, Sean will um, now get to concentrate on being my right-hand person for all the content we do at The Ringer, which includes the website and the podcast network and Ringer Films and all the things that that we care about as we keep growing as a digital multimedia company. But um, I'm bringing this up because- I've worked with Mallory, I think since 2012, 2013, something like that. And um, she came to Grantland. She didn't say anything for like three months to me. And I started hearing rumors that she had this whole personality. And so I would kind of sneak in the office, I would here arguing with people. And then as we got to know each other better, really started to get a feel. And she was just um, incredible in the office. She's one of the best editors I've ever worked with. Um, Her writers love her and just kind of grew into a personality. When we were trying to figure out what the ringer was going to be, we didn't even plan her account for the whole podcast career that she's had um, because she just hadn't done them. But it's like anything else. You get reps, you get thrown into the fire. She got thrown into the fire when we did the binge mode Game of Thrones project and got just an incredible amount of reps and became awesome. Um, and she is honestly one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. And we're excited to see what she does with the website. And um, in general, we started The Ringer, it was me, and it was Sean Fantasy and Mali Rubin and Julia Lippman and Chris Ryan, um, four people that I'd worked with Grantland that um, I'd really grown to just love working with and just love being with. And that was the genesis of everything we started. Who else did we want to work with? What kind of site and company did we want to create and um you know i am not surprised that mallory has has now ascended to the point that she could run this website for us um it will not affect the other stuff she does i'm excited to see where this goes with her and for our company in general so wanted to mention that um really excited for mallory congratulations one of my favorites and that's it all right let's bring amina Mina Kimes is here. We've never done a podcast.
1: That's true. I've done almost every other Ringer podcast at this point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you have.
1: Is it a record for me?
0: How many have you been on?
1: Okay. Uh, Ringer NFL.
0: Yeah. The Watch?
1: No. Bachelor Party. Bachelor. Yes.
0: Jam Session?
1: No. Um, Dave Chang Show. That was really fun. Oh, yeah.
0: So this is your fourth one. That's pretty impressive. And you've been on a bunch of ESPN podcasts.
1: Yes. (laughs) Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're America's podcast guest.
1: Um yeah. My start in audio at ESPN was doing the Bill Barnwell show. Yeah. Once a week. Good friend of both of ours. So yeah. it was through podcasts, yes.
0: Did you like it? Or were you like, What the hell's going on?
1: The Bill Barnwell show? No, just doing a podcast. Podcasting in general. No, I liked it a lot. I mean at ESPN I then I transitioned to doing more radio, but it's not always easy to break into radio as a writer. So podcast I think gives us writers the opportunity to talk in a way that we wouldn't.
0: Your background, everyone always asks me like, how do you do this? How do I, how do I get into this? And it's the people that make it usually have really weird backstories that have no correlation to what they're actually doing now. And you're a good example.
1: Yes. I feel like I should be an advertisement for Twitter or people who like how social media helps you get jobs. Cause I was a business journalist for a long time, a financial journalist, investigative reporter, but almost exclusively tweeted dumb shit about football. Yeah. And so people knew I was interested in football because of that. And
0: How many years were you doing, what was it, Bloomberg? I no. Was a,
1: no. So my first job out of college was at Fortune Small Business Magazine. Yeah. Then I worked at Fortune for a while, writing about Wall Street, finance, doing investigations. Then I went to Bloomberg and wrote for Business Week. And then ESPN hired me in... It was right after we won the Super Bowl. So uh, 2014. So, yeah. I remember uh, taking
0: that hire really personally because I, I felt <laughs> like we were just finding so much talent at Grantland. And I, and I was really scouting all the time and knew everybody. And then they hired you and I was like, what the fuck, who's that? <laughs> and realized I just had missed it. I had
1: and then written, you came
0: in. I was like, yeah. well, hopefully she's not good. And then I was like, oh shit, god damn it.
1: Thank you. I, I had only written one thing about sports at the time. It was just on my Tumblr about football and how it had brought my dad, I feel so corny to describe your own writing, but it was about how I would brought my dad and I close together. And some editors, EDS Penn, saw that and said, hey, you seem to be interested in sports Mm. and maybe more interested in this than writing about finance, which was true. And that's how they got the
0: idea. Why were you writing about finance?
1: Oh, I just fell into it. I didn't even study econ in college. It was just, I did a timing internship program when I was in college and they placed me at a business magazine. So I just had to learn how to do it really quickly. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I I don't really miss it, except for watching shows like Billions is Succession makes me yeah. miss it. But other than that, I don't miss it at all.
0: What college were you at? I went to Yale. Oh, so then you end up, you're doing business, but you really love football.
1: Yeah. I Back when I was a business journalist, Every hour of the day, I was just on football mess. That's how I know Danny V. Kelly, our mutual friend, the most wonderful person.
0: Well, the Seahawks message board community <laughs> is intense. It's a little dark, but ultimately a, 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 a place that everybody has joined together in a really intense way.
1: Seahawks Twitter has a very unique characteristic. Kevin Clark and I talk about this all the time, the different fan bases and their different internet personalities. Yeah. CX Twitter is definitely one of the weirder ones. And I think it has kind of a cohesive, nerdy approach. It's a little bit more analytics driven than yeah. some other ones for sure.
0: And you also have the Sonics leave. Yeah. There's one less team <laughs> and people are pouring. I always feel because Seattle should be a four team city, but they only had right. two teams for a while. I guess the Sounders count now, but, um, but yeah, it was intense. And I didn't really think about their history that much. Because they were always in, they were in the NFL basically the entire time I followed football. Would they come in like 1976? Yes. It was Tampa and Seattle? Yeah, it was
1: part of that two-team expansion, yeah. And
0: they had Jim Zorn and they had Largent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They were never, never on on the East Coast really ever for right. any reason. They were but, good
1: in the 80s when they were in the AFC West. Yeah,
0: yeah so you'd you get like the football, the Tops cards with the football leaders and like Steve Largent was leading the league and seeming like, oh, he seems cool. But other than just seeing random highlights on SportsCenter, had no history with them. And then I don't know, it just went through the nineties. They became the Bo Jackson, ran through them team and yeah. Never really had like their moment until the Sean Alexander Super Bowl.
1: Steve Largent would have been a great Patriot in retrospect, right? Oh, well,
0: Belichick probably tried to bring him out of retirement. Do you
1: think he's the greatest white wide white receiver in the history of the NFL?
0: So I've I've broken this down. I think I even did a white receiver <laughs> championship belt. <laughs> he's definitely the best one.
1: Because uh, he was yeah.
0: arguably, other than right, he was probably the second best receiver for oh, a yeah. couple of seasons. He
1: belongs in the great. Yeah. Th- it's kind of unfair to put him in the you Know a diminished category because he was truly, truly a great. But go back and look at those cards. Um, the Jim Zorn, I want to say there's a card from that when I was a young girl, like I love JTT, I love Devin Sawa, but man, 1980s Jim Zorn, the right? Hair. You got to go look it up. He was <laughs> beautiful, a beautiful man.
0: Do you are you one of those Seahawks fans that thinks the Steelers Super Bowl is rigged?
1: You mean the worst officiated game in NFL? Yeah, history? that one. Is that what you're referring that to? One. My dad. When he texts me, I think we have a similar relationship just from listening to you. Um, He kind of keeps me to my biased roots. Like when I get too analytical and neutral, my dad will pull me back in. When he texts me about the Steelers, his phone still autocorrects to S-T-E-A-L-E-R-S because he's typed it that way so many times. Oh,
0: that's hilarious. Yeah.
1: My very first day at ESPN. That sounds like my dad. I I went to rookie camp. Uh, which you know is like your first day you have to learn all this stuff, the corporate stuff. (laughs) (laughs) uh, intimidating. uh, I was walking around lost in that. Really, it's like a college campus and it's usually empty, which is a weird thing, especially during the day. And a guy comes up behind me. He's like, excuse me, miss, are you lost? Turned around and it was Jerome Bettis. And I almost screamed because I had spent so much time cursing his name with my dad and saying how the NFL just wanted the bus to win one. And that's why... It was so biased, and he was the nicest guy, and it was a real like welcome to the NFL uh, don't, moment.
0: For don't me. change how you feel about Jerome Bettis. He's
1: a really don't, nice don't guy. Don't let
0: him win you <laughs> He's over. He's a
1: lovely human being. <laughs> it is
0: funny to meet people that you hate in sports, and then they're nice, and it's discombobulating. I thought that with Magic, like I spent a year with really? Magic. Oh, but even before that, when we did a we did a podcast because he did a thirty for thirty. And I was just so diehard bird. Like I didn't want to like him kind of, I was kind of hoping he was going to be a dick, but he's not.
1: The worst is the opposite though, right? When it's someone you love, a hero. I don't even want to tell those stories, but then you meet them and they don't live up to that. I think those are the ones that really haunt me.
0: Sal has a bad one with that, where Emmett Smith was his favorite cowboy (laughs) and they did a Jimmy Kimmel Live bit with him. And it just went really badly and it like really traumatized them <laughs> and then you're going backwards with you know your history with this person but now it's colored by
1: yeah those you can never really look at them the same
0: way so do you feel like nobody cared that the super bowl got stolen from you or no they just kind of come and go but if that had been like the bears
1: that's a good point
0: or the or the packers or somebody well, people would care
1: well you know the i think in most people agree that it was a poorly officiated. Yeah, it's the game. worst It's one. kind of a consensus yeah. now at this point, uh, even the ref, right? So, I think tri- triplet. So I think no. I it's so funny because people always ask me if forty nine was like the worst night of my life, the Super Bowl that the Pats won over the Seahawks. The I'm aware
0: there. of forty nine,
1: <laughs> and I say no because Seattle just won the year before. If Seattle hadn't won the year before, I think after 49, I probably would have gotten to hibernation for like a month and just taken a social media hiatus. But once you win, and I think as a New England fan, you probably know this, it kind of, everything's a little bit different once you have that victory. Like if you had lost, I feel, I genuinely believe if Patriots fans hadn't won this last one, they wouldn't have really cared, honestly. Like maybe it would have hurt day of.
0: Now, see, something happened with the Pats the last few years and especially with the Gate and... How much people hate the Pats mm. that it has turned into this us against everybody thing in a way that it doesn't go away. I gotta I say,
1: see. I see. Well, for me, it's really it's
0: a visceral thing now.
1: Changed everything.
0: It really has. Like when the Red Sox <laughs> they won an 04. and it I I still love them. I watch them. I've cared. Every time, but it was never cool. never quite the same. Like we
1: we got it. Yeah, I'm cool. not I'm not in
0: a coma for a month and a half right. if we lose. If we had, um, if the Atlanta Super Bowl had gone just been a shellacking, I would have been really
1: a shellack bum
0: for a while. Right. Because it would have felt like it was just the end of the whole thing, right? It would have been, what do we do with Brady, Jimmy G? Now it's time for him to take over. Is Belichick going to stay? Right. And instead, that. Well, some of that has
1: to do with the team, like the feeling that, well, this is, we're approaching the end for Brady. And so we have to win these. This is before we knew
0: he was eternal.
1: Yes. He's like
0: Edward in (laughs) Twilight. He's just going to be around forever. He wakes up. I do. I feel like he's eternal now.
1: How many more years?
0: I I don't know what to expect anymore.
1: Do you feel like he was worse last year? Yes. Yeah. It's weird to me that people don't really recognize that.
0: No, people who
1: follow football recognize do, it. Right. We you
0: know, you know. But he's- it's weird.
1: I, well, it's, it's funny, I think, because by worst, it's, it's really like top 10. He was a top 10. He was a good quarterback, not a great quarterback last year, which is I don't think I think after the Manning thing where he fell off a cliff, everyone thought that's how it was going to be. Right, okay, these old, this generation of elite, older quarterbacks, when it comes, it's gonna come and it's gonna hit really hard. And now we're learning, hey, actually, that wasn't the case at all. I mean, Breeze was playing at an MVP level until the last few weeks of the season. Brady right. was kind of weird because you got Rivers and Breeze falling off at the end of the year. That's not really how it's been with him. It's like the little things, you know? Like uh, he just doesn't really step in his throws the same way or makes some bad decisions that probably stems from aging and mechanics and not wanting to get hit. But he's still an incredible quarterback.
0: It's a complicated discussion because I think part of it is he just cares about January and February. Right. So he's not taking, he's not staying here for that split second extra to really to get, it. you know, he's always just going to play it safe. The receivers were bad last year.
1: I mean, he wasn't good in the Super Bowl until that last time. No, night.
0: but that's <laughs> the, the thing with Brady is he still has the ability to to flip the switch, you know, and, and he was able to do that, especially in the Chiefs game when right. they really needed him, all of a sudden he can kind of lock in. So he can still do that, but it's the day to day, game to game, quarter to quarter stuff that he's just not same. But I also feel like their their receivers are potentially just so much better than last year. Like Chris Hogan was the second receiver last year. He couldn't get open. <laughs> right. He was wasn't open the whole season. Yes. And now they have multiple guys who can get open and, and catch in traffic. Gronk was somebody last year that you could take him out of the garage a couple times a game maybe, but you couldn't rely on them for
1: oh, 100%. quarter and quarter
0: out. And now it's like at least they have guys now who might get open.
1: I mean, the combination of Gordon and Edelman, they haven't had that since Walker or Moss. You've got the guy who can win in the middle def- and get open in space, and then you've got the guy who can win one-on-one on the outside.
0: You haven't mentioned the best receiver in the NFL yet, Jacoby Myers.
1: I have so I'm in first
0: a, choice, best choice.
1: I'm in a uh, a dynasty league for the first time ever. Take with, Jacoby Myers. With no, I did with Danny B Kelly, and Danny was so mad that I got Jacoby. He's Myers. been
0: open. Every practice, yeah, yeah. every one, every one on one drill, angrier, every man. preseason game, he's just open all the time. And Brady loved him from the get go.
1: Winovich makes me angrier though. Yeah,
0: me. I don't, I don't follow college football enough to understand how big of a steal that was, but it seemed like a steal it's, in the moment because really everybody got mad about it.
1: Yeah, I know. I don't know how does this keep happening. I don't know. Yeah. My hottest Patriots, and I really, I don't know how we've been talking about the Patriots so much. No, we can but, be
0: done in a second. Um, I'm really enjoying this stuff. My-
1: <laughs> My my one Patriots take that I never get to air out is that um, Hightower is the most important Patriot of oh. this generation, and I don't know why we don't talk about it. He's They don't win these super, the last few Super Bowls without Hightower. Every single game, he is the guy who makes the keep. He Huge should, tackle on Marshawn. Honestly, Marchand. he should have been the Super Bowl. Huge tackle on Marshawn, strip sack. Uh, strip sack
0: in the Falcons and, game. In the
1: Falcons game. And then he should have been the MVP in this last game. I mean, I, I see why they gave it to Edelman, but... Hightower is the guy to me.
0: Yeah, it's funny Edelman. He piled up a lot of those stats, but we only had three points through the first right. like, two and a half quarters. You know, um, the tackle on Marshawn is a good what if.
1: We don't really because
0: <laughs> first of all, how does he tackle him with one arm?
1: Yeah, it's Marshawn. Two string, yeah.
0: And then second, if he doesn't tackle him, there there was maybe enough time for them to at least do something.
1: Right. I mean, the reason they threw it- I think there was like
0: 45, 50 seconds left at that point. Maybe 50?
1: (sighs) So I've thought about this a lot.
0: I figured you have.
1: Um, And the reason you throw it on that down is to preserve your options on the remaining two downs. Because if you run, you understand. Thank you. You understand. I just
0: didn't like the play.
1: Exactly. Roll out. You have Russell-
0: Yeah, roll out.
1: Anyways, it made sense to throw it, just not that throw. Because you want, if you run it, then you have to throw it on the next down. New England knows what you're doing. If you throw it, you can run or throw on the next down and they knew that but they just called the wrong pass
0: he's it's not like he's six foot six right you're throwing it just into a massive body <laughs> like 19 things can go around and get tipped it could hit somebody's helmet who knows
1: yeah. I mean it's an amazing defensive play it's it one was. of the greatest in Super Bowl history
0: I, I have actually written about this I truly believe Belichick didn't call timeout no. I really do. No. I, I really feel like he Jedi mind tricked Carol.
1: I do think he Jedi mind tricks people. I
0: think he looked you can see him staring across the field and it's like he just sees something. And we were watching the game live going, Call timeout. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Time out. I know. But he saw something and he was just kind of like, know, I'm but, good. Something bad's gonna happen here.
1: He makes coaches do things that they wouldn't normally do all of the time. I think, I mean, I went back and watched the Super Bowl going into this Rams season. Yeah. And it when he, is... When he
0: unpants McVeigh. It's
1: a masterpiece. Yeah. It's, th- this Super Bowl, I don't, I'm not trying to be football hipster and say it was a good game because it was awful and boring to watch. How dare you? But <laughs> it is truly, I think this is probably his coaching masterpiece, this last one.
0: I agree. So I feel I felt like the football community would eventually come around on it. I think football it wasn't a fun, sexy, awesome, entertaining game. It was an old school football game. It was like the kind of game I grew up with. It was nineteen seventy-nine Vikings versus whoever, seven to six. It just was that game. They took away everything the Rams like to do. Right. And McVeigh didn't know what to do. And he he just had that attitude all year of this is who we are. We do this. Yes. Nobody can stop it. Right. This is our thing. And then Belichick's like, no, actually, I'm going to take that away. Now what do you have? And they couldn't figure it out.
1: I think what drives me crazy, though, is this supposition going into the season that, okay, look, the Patriots did this. They solved the Rams offense. The uh, passing explosion is over. We've got it. Defenses can do it. No, Bill Belichick did that with a defense that completely changed everything they did throughout the regular season. You can't, most teams can't do that, can't make those kinds of week-to-week, I mean, it's two-week period, but week-to-week adjustments on the flight. It's really difficult, okay? If you got this Patriots secondary that's been playing man all year, to do what they did in the Super Bowl, uh, to use the linebackers the way he did, you have to have guys who are not only accustomed to playing together and are really smart players, which we know, oh my God, it's been like 30 minutes, I'm still talking to the Patriots. I
0: didn't want to say anything.
1: Um, But you've got guys who are, you know, we always hear Bill Belichick like smart guys. Yes. But they also are guys that know how to respond to coaching well. And I think that's what you saw in the Super Bowl.
0: We also saw the Rams not realizing that we could not cover running backs out of the backfield the whole year. Yeah. And I really think if they had played the Saints, I think the Pats would have lost by like 20. You think so? I do. I think I think Camaro would have gone just absolutely apeshit on us. Wheel
1: route after wheel route it's after just, wheel we, route.
0: You never stop it the whole year, but it was like, yeah. we just luck out with the Rams where Gurley's having knee issues right as we're about to play them. They right. have no real backup for him. And they just couldn't take advantage of this fatal flaw we had.
1: I was thinking about that because in the last game, so in, uh, in these Rams preseason games, yeah, um, they haven't played any of their starters, which, is a trend that's taking root across the NFL. And I think will lead to some massive changes in how the league approaches preseason, which I'm yeah. sure you've been hearing about. Um, but they drafted Daryl Henderson uh, out of Memphis. and he Fantasy, caught-
0: sleeper, <laughs> Fantasy sleeper Daryl
1: Henderson. I don't know if he's a sleeper, but he had a 27-yard wheel route that just would have destroyed New England in the Super Bowl. And as I was watching in the last game, I was thinking about that.
0: It's funny. They should have known they were going to play the Pats. And they just, even if you had your third string running back, that was all he could do. We had that Pats team was really flawed. I feel like we should have we should have won the Eagles game and we should have lost to whoever we played in this last Super Bowl. Cause I mean what are we, thirteen points? You win the Super Bowl at thirteen points? That's crazy.
1: Also underrecognized a coaching masterpiece from Wade Phillips. That'll be forgotten. The Rams defense did a lot of the same things the Patriots defense were in terms of disguise, disguising coverages and tricking Brady. Yeah. It was terrible he in the first terrible. half. Uh but this is like football. It's so outcome-based. Like no no one will remember any of that. It was
0: such a limited offense because even there was this article, I'm, I'm in the corner that Sony actually wasn't that good last year because I think people are way too high on Sony. And one of the mm. reasons is I, they just couldn't throw him the ball ever. And there were these stats that, that came out. Yeah, they're I'm trying so to even, fix that. Yeah. There were these stats that came out where it was like when he was in the game, they yeah. ran 76% yeah. of the time. Right. And the next highest guy was like 63, like in the entire league. So when he was in, like Kyle and I, Kyle's a huge Pets fan. We'd be watching the games and Sony was in and we were like, out oh, run play.
1: Or James White's pass play every single right. time. Right. Yeah.
0: So they were so predictable that I was like, I can't believe nobody can figure this out. Right. We have Chris Hogan who can't get open. We have Gronk <laughs> who's on his last legs. Sony's in, we're running. How are we, How are people not stopping this?
1: And uh, yeah so now they want him to be able to catch passes you've been hearing that out of camp and that's really what the modern NFL is about right it's like
0: three down backs
1: how can we well no i was just going to say how can we just be absolutely unpredictable on every snap Right. which is why the rams were so good during the regular season because they yes they tried it out three wide receivers like 90% of the time but they would do crazy shit every other like you don't you never knew who was blocking you never knew who was running across you just never knew and it was really hard to defend um the cup thing was a big was. thing
0: too that that definitely Bigger than yeah that That's definitely
1: take on it, yeah.
0: I like that guy. Um, He's really
1: good. Could enter the pantheon of great wide receivers. White, white wide receivers.
0: receivers? Yeah. Well, I we so. I was talking to um, Matthew Barry last week about could McCaffrey be the first white guy ever drafted one in a fantasy draft? We're going backwards. We figured like anyway. in this in the '90s when people didn't know what they're doing, there was probably like a
1: QBs, going, Brett Favre
0: or Steve Young yeah. year where they went first. But since then, I don't think it's happened.
1: Interesting. A couple
0: of listeners said there was some Peyton Hillis possibilities one year but I don't remember that.
1: I don't remember that either. I don't remember him
0: being going that doesn't first feel, that in a fantasy sound draft. right
1: to me. Hey wow. when,
0: before we, before we go off the Rams, what do you think's wrong with Gurley? Cuz you've been doing these preseason games so obviously you're around the team and you've yeah. done all the research but cuz I keep hearing he has like arthritis in his knee and once you have that it's over like your knees never the same.
1: Well, I think there's two ways of looking at it. What does it mean in the long term? And I think that speaks to the medical issues. And then the short term, he looks fine in the short term. He's been practicing every other day. So I went out to camp a couple of times to prep for these games. He looks fine. I think they will use him differently yeah. this year, but I don't necessarily think that's the reflection of his health. I think it has to do with what we've been talking about, which is the uh, sort of... Sean McVay is really, really smart. Yeah. And while I don't think the Super Bowl was a great outing for him, I don't think he's going to try it out the same offense next year. They're not showing it in the preseason, but... You know, with the NFL, you can look to drafts. You can look to things like we were just talking about how Sony's being used in practice. The fact that they took Gerald Henderson. Um, I don't think the Rams offense is going to look the same this year than it did the previous year.
0: It was probably an eye-opening event for him. Yeah. Because I think He's as Belichick- or 33 right, now. As Belichick has shown over and over again, The wrinkles are what matter when you get, when you're starting to get to weeks 18, 19, 20, 21, and you can't just do the same thing over and over again. So I think McVeigh is going to be the next Belichick. You do. I do. And I'm sure, I'm sure this whole thing was a learning experience. I think you could even see in the handshake before the game, he went into it, you know, like the same way if I met David Letterman, like he had that look on his face, like, (laughs) hi, how are you? Good luck. (laughs) What an honor to be playing you. And yeah. He was just deer in the headlights. You could even see it in the inside the NFL of the Super Bowl. I think that was what I watched or mic'd up one of those shows. And Goff fucks up with like five minutes left and he comes on the sidelines and McVay is just, he's like deer in the headlights. We're going to be okay. It's fine. We're going to be okay. And it's like, right? you're not okay. Like you just lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's over. Yeah.
1: Well, he immediately came out. I remember because I was there covering this last Super Bowl and it feels corny to say praise him for taking responsibility for everything because that's what coaches are supposed to do.
0: But he really did. He though. really did. Yeah. The way
1: he said it, I was like, oh, he actually believes he fucked. He He's t- really, really, really putting this on his own shoulders. And, and they love that, man. I mean, yeah. I don't want to sound like a stan because I'm doing this Rams stuff, but he really is a brilliant manager for a 33-year-old guy. Like, his coaches love him. The fact that he picked Phillips, who's, you know, 70 or something— And when he brought him in and he was coaching defense, McVay used to sit down and just let him do it and say, you know what? I don't know this. I'm 33. I'm an offensive mastermind. Wade's got this. Yeah. He let uh, Shane Waldron, his quarterbacks coach, he's been calling the games in the preseason. And when we asked him about it in the pregame call, he almost sounded he wasn't upset that we knew, but he didn't want to talk about it because they hadn't had great games and he wanted to protect him. And he didn't want it to be known because he didn't want him to get accountability for that. Like he does all those little management things that we don't really think about.
0: He's also, uh, I I hung out with him at a party once for like, I don't know, 40 minutes. Okay. And he's just a great guy. And it's, it's the recurring theme of anybody I know who's hung out with him. We're like, that guy's a fucking great guy. Yeah. And I think, especially in football, you know, you, you have to have some sort of angle as the coach. You either have to be like an awesome charismatic guy. You have to be an enigma like Belichick. Like right. you have to have some sort of gimmick. And his gimmick is definitely like, he's charismatic. Yes. You know, and that can go a long way when you have a quarterback that's not charismatic.
1: Most quarterbacks aren't charismatic. No. I My theory about quarterbacks, having like written about some of them, and yeah. um, is you either have to believe in God or think you are a God and there's no space in between.
0: Oh, that's interesting. We know where Brady stands. Uh,
1: I I don't know his religious beliefs, but he doesn't really... I would say he... He's going to
0: start his own religion.
1: It seems to be going down that path. How do you feel about that? are 12 Because people always ask me as a Seahawks fan, like whenever Russell Wilson does something dorky, they immediately send it to me. And I'm like, I know, he's a nerd. He's deeply embarrassing. But if I was on an African safari with him and a cheetah came darting out, I would throw myself in front of his body and take the leg because he's my quarterback. Right. Do you feel the same way about Brady where if he does something embarrassing, you just take it on the chin? It's like a
0: family member. He's like Kyle to me (laughs) where it's like, you know, you, if your family member does something goofy, you're just like, Oh yeah, that's, that's my uncle or that's my brother or whatever. And, Brady really got weird after the uh, Falcon Super
1: Bowl. Yeah, he didn't used to be that. He's, he's been something, on a journey. The Falcon
0: Super Bowl, something happened, and he passed some sort of invisible weirdo line, and it's fine.
1: I support I
0: support any weirdo stuff he wants to do, but he definitely got a little weirder. Yeah. The Tom versus time thing is something he never would have done f- even f- three, four years ago. He just mm-hmm. would have been like, no, nah, that'll be a distraction. Yeah. And now he's embraced it, and he really seems... It, I've talked about this before, but there is like a tiny bit of a Tom Cruise ness to tiny him. Tiny bit. Well, Every I'm time I look at a picture a of him, diplomatic. that's what I. <laughs> yeah, but like where he he feels like he stumbled on some sort of higher being.
1: Yes, interesting. And, and
0: he's and he really wants to tell us about it. It's what? like I just wish you guys could know what I've what I've seen.
1: I think where it gets interesting to me as a f- analyst, I guess, is I think it's impacting how long he's playing football. Because so much of his life now is invested in what you're this religion that he's creating around himself, and he is the ultimate advertisement for everything he's espousing. And if yes. he's not on the field anymore, that disappears.
0: But he knows that, right? Yeah, it's really not. I think odd. it's he's really convinced that the crazy thing though is like he is faster. Like if you oh. watch, if you watch clips of him scrambling in 2018 versus right. 2005, like he's faster. He's he retrained how to like run. He's did, did all these things. Um, it is a little Tom Cruise-ish. We're Tom Cruise is 58 jumping off buildings at Mission Impossible 9. I love Tom Cruise. So. I Hold on, we gotta take a break. Hey, let's take a break to talk about Yahoo Fantasy. We've all made some bad choices in life. I know I have. Kyle, I know you've never a plethora, made a bad choice. A plethora, plethora of bad choices. A series of bad choices? Yes. Kyle moved cross country to get away from all the bad choices he made in his teens and early 20s. But this isn't about us, it's about you. Don't make where you play fantasy football a bad life decision. Play Yahoo Fantasy Football. Yahoo offers up free expert advice. It has the best player experience. They'll never, ever, ever delete your league history like other apps. That's awful, by the way. that would be when I'm sports art, nobody will be ever, ever be able to do that. Yahoo also has all kinds of fantasy games like the new best ball, just draft and you're done. No trades, no waivers, no drama all season. Yahoo is the number one rated app by the FSGA. Make better choices, America. Choose Yahoo Fantasy Football. Back to Mina. What was it like rooting against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, just out of curiosity? I'm always rooting for him in this.
1: So uh, there's the Seattle ones, which is you're not even thinking about the other person. You're so dialed in, right? The Philadelphia one stands out to me because I was there writing off the game. yeah. And so I was watching the press box and when I was in the same, the end zone where the Philly special happened and I, it happens. I see it. I see Foles leaking out and I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Right. And when he did it, I went, I stood up and screamed, which you're not supposed to yeah, do. And to I do didn't that. realize the entire row in front of me was all Patriots reporters. Uh, So it was so unprofessional. And it wasn't I wasn't screaming because I wanted it to happen, although I very much so did. But because it was freaking cool. It was not something I'd see. And Nick Foles. Right. And it was so unprofessional. People always ask me about that and sort of being a homer and a writer. And then people always say, well, Bill Simmons did it, so he made it so that you can do it. I guess. Oh,
0: great! I paved the ground. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine the reaction of the Patriots reporters with you not doing great. that. great. That fucking lady from ESPN. <laughs> fucking disgust
1: <laughs> at tainting the profession. But it was awesome. I, I mean, I honestly, even when the Patriots do cool stuff in the, I, I, I can't help myself. I can't be dispassionate. I can't watch and not have a reaction if something cool happens in the Super Bowl.
0: It's that. De- it's definitely something that has changed this century. When when I was coming in and writing the columns for page two and stuff and the reaction, you know, especially when they became popular and people were mm. like, he's not in the locker rooms. Right. He's a bozo. You can't do it this way. You have to be neutral. And my whole thing was like, why? Yeah. I don't understand. Why is there one way to do this? And I was always like, I try to stay authentic. Part of What I try to do is these are my teams that I like, but I would still rip my own teams. Like I, some of the meanest shit I ever wrote was about Doc Rivers and the Celtics.
1: Oh, we're way harder on our own teams than anywhere else. Yeah,
0: I'm sure. I'm sure you have like a really, really harsh Russell Wilson think piece in you at some point because you've been picking them apart mentally for I eight years. I
1: complain about the Seahawks offense literally every day. Now. Yeah. The, after the Cowboys lost in the wild card round when they ran it 400 times despite having an elite quarterback and facing one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Yeah. I, I think I ranted about that on every, even if it was like a basketball podcast. Was, <laughs> By <saying> the way, Brian <laughs> Schottenheimer. I mean, I came to ESPN in 2015 I had a Super Bowl tattoo. I can't hide it. Yeah. I can't undo it. I can't pretend it's just like a number. It's, you know, 48. Um, so and I actually I mean, you know, beat report. everybody is biased in some ways. I think it's only a problem if it affects the way if you're not critical at all.
0: I think we've seen it go the wrong way more with people who are pretending right. that they aren't biased when they actually are, when it's like beat reporters who are trying to protect relationships. This has happened a lot in the NBA, I where you- they're just they're just pouring the company Kool-Aid for whatever angle the company wants.
1: So I don't know or if the you team, caught, I say. Uh that GQ story on Baker Mayfield that came out this week. Basically, there was a quote that went viral about him and he was criticizing the yeah. Daniel Jones pick. And I saw some people saying, well, a beat reporter when somebody who's around him, this is a magazine reporter coming in because he doesn't care about the relationship. And I was like, yeah, that's good. Right. Isn't that what we wa-? like? I, It's good to have writers writing about athletes and teams who aren't going to write another story about him. I never go back to the same. Well, when I write about these guys, not right. that I'm burning them to the ground. Far you from got me, in early on Baker. Yeah. Because yours bit. was like
0: the first one.
1: Yeah, well, you know.
0: Because you knew there was going to be like
1: <laughs> two
0: months of them, but you got, the one who gets there first is always the one that people remember. I've been on that the was a oth- good other, piece.
1: Thank you. I've been on the other side of that too.
0: You don't so. want to be like third.
1: I've been, I've been, actually that last summer I did a story on Jalen Ramsey and I was not the first. So uh, right. I, I've definitely, I usually write like one NFL story every summer.
0: Before I became a has-been that doesn't run anymore, Um, the thing I used to love with that were the angles and trying to get to the angle of whatever before somebody else did, whether it was by a day or a month or whatever. And that was what I enjoyed the most. Like, oh, this might go here. And then when we had Grantland started trying to send those and we do the same thing here where it's constantly thinking about what could be something that's, let's go there before other people do. Yeah. Which I think is a really fun way to think about this stuff.
1: It's a different challenge now more than ever because there's access, more people. Well, I was going to say also access is worse than it's ever been with athletes.
0: Right. So Baker, so, you put in the request. and uh, the,
1: Months ago, yeah. Yeah. And
0: the Browns people, they have a meeting. They're getting all these <laughs> Baker Mayfield requests. I and they're like, all right, we'll do this one. GQ, he'll get to do a photo shoot. Mina will write a really good piece. And they're organizing it. And the goal is to be one of the people that they were like, yeah, do this one.
1: So my requests don't usually go through the teams. Um, Oh,
0: so you went to the Baker. I'm
1: usually going to the athletes because I do my stories in the summer when they're available. You know, I
0: should have- that's how the NBA works now. I didn't yeah. realize football. I thought the teams were more protective in football. In the NBA, you have to go to the guy who's behind the player. It does during the regular the
1: season. But with the way the football calendar works in the summer, they're like, I don't know where he is. And it depends on, <laughs> you know, like maybe, usually LA, probably, mm. right? Training somewhere with like Johnny Menzel. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it depends on the athlete and how famous they are. Like a couple of years ago, I did a story on Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I've heard of him that. Yeah. So he hadn't done a story in a long time. That wasn't through the team at all. That was through like 20 levels. Of, it's like, you know, playing a video game and trying to get to the final boss. Who's like his real agent. And you're like, okay, I got through this level. And I think with that one, I
0: she th- just got to Mora. God, <laughs> that's how I got him for my TV show. I just badgered Mora. Uh,
1: Mora works at ESPN for those. Or the, well, not really. I, I don't know. No,
0: Mora's um, Ma- just a gatekeeper. Uh, she keeps some gates
1: that one so like he hadn't done a magazine story in a long time I think at the end I had to write I wrote like a 600 word like here's why I think you should do this with me in particular yeah uh, and got it to in front of him but usually that's not the case
0: he's a really interesting guy yeah (laughs) because he's definitely I even felt that talking to him he's completely aware of everything you're gonna try he's very aware He's, he's in it and he's amused by it and his default is going to be, you're probably going to ask or go toward all the same angles everyone else does, which for me are the most fun people to interview. Really? Because, you feel oh, like it's yeah. like
1: a chess match kind of thing? Because
0: I know I'm going to be able to surprise them and, or, or go right. down some road with them that they haven't gone. So I, I want them to be that way. That's great. He was- I can, I can win with those people.
1: He's very smart. He's very um, smart.
0: You can, he's calculating everything at all times.
1: He He's the first person I had interviewed who taped the interview. I remember. Really? He put down, I, I wrote it into the piece. It's I intimidating. Like, if you're going to do this, I'm going to write about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he came to my house. So that was, it was already, which I, I also wrote about this in the piece. It was kind of a power play in some ways, right? Because it was like really, I felt really vulnerable. I've always struggled with that word, vulnerable vulnerable because he's um, like
0: judging your yeah, decorations and I'm stuff? like you're
1: like he was looking at my shit and I was like well Aaron Rodgers is looking at my regulation Seahawks helmet on my mantle and yeah. I feel like a dipshit he, and <laughs> your 24 by 36
0: Jim Zorn photo he's like
1: why do you have that <laughs> <laughs> I was like he's like you don't play no. um yeah there was a really surreal moment so it was a rental. We had just moved to Los Angeles. So it was like small too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was already, and there was this really surreal moment where he was like standing next to the TV and talking. And I was like, shit, I was watching him on that TV. And it was just yeah. like this weird decontextualized, like, you know, when you go to an athlete's house, which is by far how often, how it's usually done or like a restaurant or some corny set up you're looking at their stuff and you're thinking about them but it, I felt like I was on the defensive because we're my he was like what's that book have you read that I was like oh my god stop looking yeah. at my stuff and then the worst part was he so this was in I was living in Los Feliz at the time so I met him at Cafe Vita the coffee shop which was great like Cafe Vita because he was sitting in there and no one in there knew who he was and he was loving it
0: because yeah. you know it's
1: like a, a kind of spot. And he's like, cool if I park on this street. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So afterwards I walk him out, $90 ticket. Felt like the worst person in the world. Oh no. So shameful.
0: That's why these celebrities like LA though. Cause they can go sit yes. at a cafe and nobody knows them. Totally. That's why all the NBA players come here.
1: The Rams. There's this
0: weird code here.
1: Yeah. I wonder like how fame, I mean, for, well, football players aren't really famous for the most no. part. I
0: think Baker has a chance.
1: But, and he's your quarterback. He's, he's got a recognizable, recognizable face. Some yeah. of these guys
0: don't have like the recognizable when I don't have my helmet on faces. But right. he he's especially with like the facial hair and stuff is distinct looking now.
1: Brady, although he's changing. Brady's his face, got so. come
0: on, <laughs> he's not changing and he's just using creams. We have forty five minutes
1: of Patriots talk. He's um, using creams. <laughs> Have you dried any?
0: <laughs> He's probably using like dragon creams from the and 1700s. I
1: feel like it's stuff from South Korea that I should know about. <laughs> but um, look, I mean, you know, I, I saw a picture the other day. Who did I think it was? It really looked like a different person. How are you enjoying the Jimmy Garoppolo come down? Are you enjoying it? How it's do a you, tough one for Kyle you,
0: and I because we- You want we, him to thrive? No, we yeah, love Jimmy absolutely. G. You love him? Yeah, we and okay. I bet on him when he got traded to the Niners every single week and I was all in. I think he got hurt, and I think he lost his confidence. I, I'm not willing to write him off, but I, I do feel like we forget sometimes with athletes that, especially if they never had a real injury, that it fucks them up sometimes.
1: He So I watched this last game because the Rams he was playing awful. the Broncos. Well, he to me, he looked like Brady coming off the ACL in 2009. Yeah. Not stepping in throws, hearing footsteps. Doesn't help that he was playing behind a backup offensive line against Bradley Chubb, who decided yeah. to make his life miserable. Um, but... It is concerning because he didn't look good last season to me. I mean, I, I, so I'd be a little bit nervous about him. I like him.
0: This was a Rosillo early corner of like, ah, anti- we're sure he's good.
1: Oh, who knows? He's yeah. barely played. Yeah. I mean, I, I find, I like him. I, he seems just like a dude, right? Like, I found the porn star thing really charming. Word. Like,
0: <laughs> Kyle. <laughs>
1: I hope that's your only uh, interjection. By
0: the way, <laughs> That'd be good. It's no. I was just like, a oh, this guy doesn't know better. Like, I, I you it's know, true. Like, did you have the same reaction? I just I like, felt it was kind of, it was, was kind like, of how. Oh, nobody told him. It was like early gronk. Yeah, it was like, totally. oh, he doesn't know. He's so untainted.
1: Also, a truly charming human being. But yeah, I was like, oh, like he's not. He hasn't figured this stuff out yet. He's just doing it because he wants to. But this is like some end of the NBA roster shit, and he's right. still like. He's a quarterback and nobody's telling him not to do, like, to be out in public.
0: What happened? What What were your feelings on Baker just from a hanging out with him charisma oh. standpoint?
1: <sighs> Unbelievably charismatic. I mean, well, how?
0: Because he's like, what, 22?
1: 24.
0: 24?
1: Yeah. Still pretty young. So young. And, and like, he just got married.
0: I, I'm all in on all things Baker. Are you? I really, I just, I like every, he said every checkpoint for me. I completely believe. And the most important thing for him, the Patriots really did try to trade up for him. Yes. That was a thing that happened Do you and wish they kept it stealth and it was going to happen. Do you wish they had? Hell yeah. Yeah. They would have lost Super Bowl last year.
1: Imagine Brady in that scenario. Um, he just
0: would have left. And then by the way, that would have been Belichick's dream scenario. Yeah. Oh yeah. For Thanks sure. for the Super Bowls, Tom. I got you a ride for the airport. <laughs>
1: Baker is very seductive. Like when you're around him, yeah. you will run through a wall for him. He right. makes guys believe in him. Um, we'll see like when that, you know, what how that plays out because I haven't been around like a young quarterback who's that, has that much bravado and Far charisma. like that, everybody said. He's the comp for him in just about every way, yeah. I think. I mean, he's a Scott McLuhan, so um, McC- Scott McLuhan, who's this like very well-known NFL executive who's been a front office guy with the Seahawks. He was responsible for the great Seahawks draft drafts yeah. of the sort of 2011, 12, 13. Um, he was advising the Browns to take Baker. He was the Favre guy. So he saw them as being very similar. And I think they really, their personalities are similar. Um, I didn't love like, I, I wish he had owned the Jones thing personally. Right, because we all felt you can't as a quarterback. I really I don't like that. this new
0: era we have where people say something and then out of context. Yeah, it's like
1: just say it, you said it. You're basically yeah.
0: shitting on the person who reported it and wrote it. Hundred percent. Griffin did that with uh, Jake Fisher at SI. It's they, like I like David Griffin, but like, dude, just own it. You said it. He didn't. Exactly. He wasn't exaggerating it. It wasn't off the record, and it's something you've said to twenty people privately. So just just admit that he said it. It's I great. think it makes it worse yeah. to lie about it. But
1: people buy it, really. I, it was interesting watching this last cycle play out over the Jones thing and seeing people say, wow, out of context, media, fake news. And it's like, yeah, we're doing this, really? Yeah,
0: that's it started four years ago, and that's where you can just deny everything now. Uh, the
1: Jones thing literally, if I'm baker, I come out and say, hey, media, you literally all had the exact same reaction. Yeah. We're really going to shame me for having the exact same reaction as 99% of the people on Earth? I was I was incredulous
0: if he had called me for advice and I don't know why he would I would have said hey just say look no disrespect to Daniel Jones but I believe as quarterbacks like when you win you win at every level and it's like if, if he can defy that and I'm wrong great I'm rooting for him we root for each other but I just think performance matters I'm old school
1: doesn't even have to give a take Just say yeah I was blown away like all like everyone I don't know. Anyways, but he, he's a super, he's very tribal. And that's kind of what I wrote about. Like you are either in or out and. That's how I am. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that.
0: Um, his offensive <laughs> line is going to be the death of the season if they if there's a death for them this season.
1: I want them to trade for Trent Williams because they are not great. They They
0: turned out a first round pick from the Pats. I read today. Really? Yeah. They wanted more. Washington? He's 31.
1: That's. Win's been looking good, though. I, mean,
0: I know, but I think they were. I think they're just worried in general about depth. Do I you, think they really feel like they can win again this year because I think they they lucked out with the receivers and in the AFC, it's like who who else are we supposed to be worried about?
1: Not the Chargers anymore.
0: Not the Chargers anymore. Chiefs. Eh.
1: I'd put. I'd say the Chiefs. Are yeah, right. um, we already
0: beat them. We own Andy Reid.
1: Do you think Dante Scarnecchia is one of the four most important? Patriots or pa- coaches or players of the of the entire history of the team.
0: So this has become a take the last couple of years. Yeah, um, people
1: didn't really know his name. I mean, yeah. he did the the ultimate goat thing, which is you show everyone you're a goat by leaving for a little bit and then you see everyone sees how, it's a great move. how good they have. Yeah, yeah. such a good
0: move. It's a good one. Would have been a good ride home move like four years ago. <laughs> just like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some theater in Brooklyn.
1: He wants. He loves like. <laughs> <weird stuff. laughs> that's um the producer of a lot of ESPN. Have people shows.
0: know who Ryan is? Oh, I don't is. know. I
1: don't know. Um, Sorry, I'm doing the annoying radio thing where, and we do, and something during games where if we say something, and I assume people don't know, it's you get this, worried. Well, no, uh you, you come in and say, for those who don't know at home, that's you know we are referring to this metric, and here's what it means. <laughs> it's such a corny
0: thing. Oh, we didn't talk about football games. Yeah. Um, I did. I announced, I think, three NBA games, and I just loved it. I was the third man in the booth. And the NBA is so different than football because football, like nothing's happening, and then something happens, but then nothing's happening again for 30, 40 seconds, and you get to break down the replay or go on some tangent. And in basketball, it's just moving unless there's free throws. If there's free throws, then you could be like, oh, now." uh, uh." But for the most part, there's just action. You don't want to step over the play-by-play. And my recollection each time was like, fuck, it's the fourth quarter already? Like, I'm I'm just settling in. I'm really enjoying myself. But football, there's a lot more breathing. So what's that like? Because I've never done a football game.
1: I love it too. There's an adrenaline rush that you don't get doing anything else podcast tv certainly not studio work it's live right yeah well, i mean I'm, the only live thing at espn i do i've done first take a few times that's live but <laughs> i guess you get an adrenaline rush yeah. from doing that um but you're
0: being shouted at
1: well i've never been on with sass who you had on yesterday right i had
0: on i i love when he comes on the pod because it's like acoustic steven a
1: that's a tough act for me to follow. Um, no. But yeah, no, but it's like being in a game. It's like in the closest we dorks have to being like feeling like we're Yeah. Suiting up. Uh, so you get, you get that high, but it's a different, the mechanics are just, and, and we're doing a three man booth. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I've talked up over, over, like up right until the very moment when the ref starts talking, which is you can't do. I I blend, make so many blunders. I'm not good at it, but I love it. I'm really enjoying it. It's just a different animal too in the preseason.
0: It's it all the stuff. It's just reps.
1: Yes. Unfortunately, my reps are happening in front of.
0: <laughs> no, it's preseason. Come
1: on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I, especially
0: this preseason. No, I think yeah. this this is the year the preseason died.
1: It really is. I would. I don't
0: know what to make of Jacoby Myers because it's like he's going against the 89th right. string quarterbacks on the other team. Like, what are, what does this mean?
1: Well, I'd say with a wide receiver, at least you're you can see. Oh, okay, he can win in space. Okay, he's got the speed. He's got okay, hands. he's got the he's, he can track the ball. Yeah, it's a lot harder to evaluate like a quarterback who's not being pressured by ones. You know. Yeah. Um. So there are certain positions I think you can get a little bit of a better feel for in the other direction too. Like uh, Daryl Henderson, who we we're talking about on the Rams, he's getting stuffed, but he's playing behind a. Backup offensive line mm-hmm. at times against the ones, and you have to consider all of that stuff. I like how
0: you're saying the ones, you really sound like a football <laughs> announcer person. Um, you know, he's with the twos a couple times, then he was with the fours.
1: The fours, the fours are be of the fours. You never want to be with the fours. I'm the fours, like bringing me in to call <laughs> this game <laughs> truly the fours. I'm doing it with Andrew Siciliano, who's delightful and uh, Nate Burleson, who's also delightful. And they are not the force, but I am. They are It was a very smart idea
0: by them because I don't know who's announcing any preseason game ever. And with this one, it was like, oh, me and Nate Burleson, wow. <laughs> yeah, but I a mean, little it actually more national. became a thing on online a little bit, which makes me think that was a good idea.
1: The Rams are, God, I sound like I'm... Really standing for They're them. really
0: your team now. I
1: know. I'm, we should um,
0: talk about the irony oh, of you of you cheating on the Seahawks the with the Ram- Rams. I, I, this is like an affair. I'm. <laughs> you're like you're like Dominic West um, season two.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is quite a pull. You watched season two of the affair. I watched every season. Oh, the affair is amazing. Really.
0: <laughs> I just did a two hour rewatchables podcast on Fatal Attraction.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, I went back and I've never seen Fatal Attraction, but I've read the Wikipedia page for it, and I feel like I should see it. At You've some never point. seen
0: Fatal Attraction? That's I, a, it's the highest-grossing th- movie of 1987. So many
1: classic movies that I haven't seen. I'll send
0: you a list. I'll give you like five. Oh God! See's.
1: I, well, my it's because my dad like hates all old things. So growing up, I never saw the classics, and my mom was born in North Korea. Yeah. So that really creates a hole in your American pop culture knowledge. I just you know what I just watched for the first. This is. I just watched Pulp Fiction for the first time. Wow. Guys, it's really good. <laughs> you should watch it. It's an excellent film. Um, the Rams. So I got into it. The CEO is this dude, Kevin Demoff. I don't know yeah, if you ever met him. So I've uh, moderated these football analytics panels at Sloan a couple of years. He's been on them. We got to talking a little bit about the Rams drafts and it was his idea. He's a great guy. And and so I think they're just kind of open to trying new sh- stuff. They have male cheerleaders. I'm the equivalent of a male cheerleader for a broadcast.
0: When you go to Sloan, do you need to just be, be surrounded by bodyguards as one <laughs> of the three women out of the 2,000 people there? It's uh, you and Jackie McMullen, and I think that's it. That's actually two women. Rachel Nichols. Oh, Rachel Nichols, there. all right, yeah. three women.
1: I know, it's pretty really all you. That is like the
0: all-time sausage fest that anyone's ever created.
1: Uh, coming from Wall Street and then writing about the NFL, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> the, the, the standards... I mean, honestly, analytics are great for women and, and women in the NFL because it just gives like a way to get in. I, True. I, the on the Rams, actually, the analytics person I've been around is a young woman, uh, and it just gives you a way in that you know you don't normally get into football.
0: Never thought of it that that way. That's a good point.
1: I mean, that just taking nerdy approach. Like I didn't start time of football until Bar- Bill Barnwell started having me on who I, you know, I adore forever for that reason. And it really is, hey, maybe we're listening to different voices. Maybe not a former player. Maybe someone who cares a lot about expected points added per play.
0: I really got into it. Football Outsiders. And I used to, I used to have Aaron Schatz on the early days of the yes. pod. He would come on. And I just love the numbers, but for selfish reasons, just because I felt like there were like real gambling advantages. because. <laughs> most people had no idea about anything and the DVOA, which they had gotten down pretty early and it was a really good indicator. And people are just looking at the standings and especially this stuff, like for the last six weeks and the, the skewed ones and all that waited. Um, Stuff was was a, like a legit advantage. And that's, then people got caught on to it.
1: That's the subtext of Sloan, by the way, is like most of the people are gambling people, but it's like, it's yeah. an analytics conference. But yeah, usually if you're in sports and you care about analytics, half the time you come from the gambling world, right? Because it has given people an advantage for so long. Um, I, I mean, Seahawks fans love DVOA because it showed for years that the Seahawks were really, really good, especially even at the beginning of the Russell Wilson era when in 2012- um, they were, we would finish number one. I've gotten we out of my vocabulary, but the team had finished number one. So fans would say, hey, this metric, it shows what other people aren't seeing. You know, by the way, I was thinking about on the way here, you used to like love Russell Wilson. I remember I used to listen to your podcast and you do that weird impersonation and I loved it with but Listen, you, you went out on him At some point You had a turn I feel like against I don't him. want to
0: call The column iconic When I predicted The Seahawks <laughs> run But I think iconic Is a fair word of it It was before the season Yeah And I read all Preston. this Russell Wilson stuff And it was a little like We were talking about With the charisma thing you just, And they had always been That team that needed
1: Hustle just, and bustle That was it Hustle Yeah and Hustle and bustle I, always what happened I miss it
0: I think Way when back. we went head to head in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you of, really,
1: I think he got too good and you started getting worried. Yeah, he was on like... our corner
0: a little bit. <laughs> I, I was always confused with the Wilson thing. Actually, let's take a break because I want to talk about this. Let's take a break. Talk about CBS Sports HQ. As I've talked about multiple times in this podcast, sports television changing. Not always for the better. Lots of yelling, beating topics in the ground, hot takes that you're not even sure the hosts believe. Well, CBS Sports HQ is looking to change that. The coverage is always focused on the game. All the highlights, news, stats, game previews, game reactions, fantasy advice, gambling picks. That's right, you degenerate gamblers out there. I know you're listening. It's all the yelling and the fake debates, no more. It's not happening. Just sports for real sports fans. Live 24-7, you just turn on and leave it on. Best of all, completely free. Not free for a week or a month or you have to sign up, but no, it's, seriously, it's free. For everyone, you don't even need to log in, open the CBS Sports app, watch anytime from anywhere on your phone, or at home on your Apple TV, Roku, or Fire TV. Couldn't be easier to download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. Since we're here, don't forget the rewatchables. We did Fatal Attraction this week, me, Wesley Morris, and the new editor-in-chief of The Ringer, Mallory Rubin. So there you go. All right, so Russell Wilson the relationship with his teammates, I mm. thought was like, honestly, like a top four most fascinating NFL story of this decade, where this chasm between these two sides of the Seahawks and Pete Carroll's inability to manage it, not really caring for a while. And it just became what it was. It was like every cliche you would have about a football team, right? where it's like the quarterback's got his side here and the defense has his side, their side here. And they kind of coexist, but it's going to be a ticking time bomb. And then yeah. that's what happened. Sort
1: of. Yeah. I, it's funny. I mean, I think it's all real. Like my colleague, Seth Bickersham did a great story. Yeah. On the yeah. He's done a bunch of really awesome stories on NFL teams and some of you might be familiar with. Um, but it, it's, it really drives me nuts when people say, well, the Seahawks struggled because, people Hated the quarterback or they paid their quarterback. It's like, no, they've struggled because guys got hurt and they had a few years of bad drafts, like most things in football. We try right. to kind of retroactively graft a narrative onto
0: and some injuries and yeah, the usual dumb Half things.
1: The LOB got hurt, or the way, they, had out a, with, they had
0: an amazing four year run, which is what you have usually as an NFL team. You have a four year run, unless you're in New
1: England and you know, you've got your ways of working around it. But,
0: but the thing with New England is it's been a series of four year runs. That have had the same quarterback I mean, all the time. Also, if Cliff
1: Avril stays in that game and Julian Edelman goes out with his concussion, we're talking about a very different outcome. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, it's so funny, right? Some, something as small as that can completely change the way. Well, we should look have it. lost to the Ravens.
0: Was that yeah. that season? No, that um, was the Falcons season.
1: The, I'm, I was talking about forty nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. They, they, I, was, I got my in, April went. I'm out. sorry, I got
0: my Super Bowl titles mixed <laughs> up. My bad. Um, no, that's, the the yeah. all time we never should have won that game was the Ravens game. Because they, so they were better than us, and they were pulling the kitchen sink out, having Edelman throw passes and all, right. all that shit, and they just should have beaten us.
1: In 49, so I don't bet on football, but I had looked at the odds right before, and I thought Michael Bennett should be, like, I can't remember what the odds were, but I had oh, a Super feeling. Super Bowl MVP?
0: Yeah. Super Bowl
1: MVP, and first half, I was like, oh, that's, this is the greatest call of all time. And I told a bunch of people, because he was just destroying Brady. By the yeah. way, Michael Bennett is on the Patriots. What the hell? I just nah. remembered that. Um, So annoying, but and it's such a Patriots move. But in any case, um, yeah, this, this back to your question about like Russell and the Seahawks and stuff. He's just a nerd, man. Like he just is a really dorky guy and came into a team that was extremely cool. Marshawn Lynch is probably one of the coolest human beings to ever walk this earth and he didn't fit in. And I think now it's like younger guys and they respect him and it's kind of a different dynamic. Um, but he was just never like a cool, I don't know. He was just, it's like every other workplace. Like sometimes it just comes down to really normal stuff. Like guys not fitting in with each other.
0: I like your answer. I think you're right. I think it, it was, had everything to do with bad drafts and just why they've the four yeah. year, whatever of the team. But I, I'm just, the dynamics of a football team like that they resented him, I thought was pretty rare. Because usually the quarterback, even like Rodgers, who just seems like he's probably a dick and it's – so many teammates leave that situation, and like they lob grenades at him, which never happens with our Lord and Savior Tom Brady.
1: It's like two but guys for no. Rally-ish. It's like a,
0: it's like fifteen. I think we're just <laughs> we're hearing from two guys.
1: <laughs> That's true on the record. It's two guys who continuously go on the record. Who
0: just are like, hey, Kyle Coward's asking me to come out again. <laughs> All right, wait, let me to throw some grenades can at you, Aaron Rodgers. Can sure, you really make a
1: career that way, like being the former guy who, like, what? How has not a former Patriot been like? You know what? I'm going to be the anti-Brady guy. Oh my God, God, just- you you could build a entire career off of just kill that. that guy.
0: Yeah, Kyle would just go would. find him. Yeah, we we'd rough him up at least. He would <laughs> <laughs> The uh the Wilson thing though. I feel like I've watched a lot of his career because being in LA hmm. there's two, three late games. Yeah. Right? And it's always like the Seahawks against some terrible NFC West team or you know, whatever. And I just think Wilson's terrifying.
1: He's so good. Like
0: to bet against, and you're like you're up, you're up ten. There's four minutes left. The Seahawks have done jack shit. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's running around doing weird shit, and all of a sudden you're like, am I going to lose this? Yeah, what happened? (laughs) Like he's definitely in that, in that realm.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's so frustrating about the whole run the ball sort of, which is the great debate tearing NFL the NFL. Yeah. Fans, or I guess NFL Twitter apart over the last year or so. And, I th- and one of the great ironies to go back to the Seahawks fan base being sort of analytically driven is that we are cursed with a team that seems committed to being the anti analytics team or has been right. Yeah. But then people, the counter argument is, well, actually the offense was still successful despite their commitment to quote unquote establishing the run. Yeah. They were successful because freaking Russell Wilson was saving their asses on third down over and over yeah. and over and, and mounting these fourth quarter comebacks. He is incredible. He's honestly, like I said, cheetah, my leg. Sure. Take it. Anything for him. I love him.
0: I did that. I did a mailbag thing about this after Brady got hurt about. Would I have given up my ACL for him?
1: ACL's fine. Achilles is it's tough 2008. To come I'm
0: in my, I'm, I haven't turned 40 yet, but my sports career is pretty much behind me at this point. It's like, I probably would have done that because I'd feel like we could have won that Super when Bowl. When are you on your feet? Yeah,
1: you're sitting I'm right now. I'm trying to move around. Yeah, I'm sitting now. I mean, yeah, totally. Achilles is really painful and hard to come back. From. Achilles, I don't know. If I, I wouldn't would give, give it up an Achilles, yeah. but you ACL, see how you can have. Yeah, you give one of them. No question.
0: Patella, you can have it.
1: Patella, well, it's tough to come back from. Rotator
0: cuff, fine. <laughs> take take one of mine. I have two.
1: These days with science, I mean, you've seen Cooper Cup out there. He looks great. He'll be he fun. said th- there was
0: this whole thing this week about how he's faster. Yeah. He does look really good in practice. What do you think is the next advanced metrics football thing that that is going to be interesting or cool or anything?
1: Like the next thing we're looking at or the next thing that football teams are doing that's cool?
0: Or the trend that we don't know about yet. Well,
1: I think everyone this year now wants to see what defenses will do, right? Kind of riffing off of the Super Bowl. Okay, well, so offense is finally realized, hey, passing is way more efficient than running and we should pass on first down. And, uh, you know, there's some little tweaks to it's not just rolling out 11 like the Rams, but teams have realized uh, passing out of 12 really works because of what defenses have done to counter 11 and yada, yada, yada. But I think for the last three years, the story of the NFL has been finally recognizing, oh, right, we've got these college quarterbacks coming in and they're trained to do one and offensive linemen. They can do one thing. Let's spread the ball out. Let's cater to their skill sets. Now it's going to say, okay, let's look at college defenses. Let's see what they're doing at LSU or in the Big 12. Oh, that's smart. And saying, what are these coaches doing? Uh, The problem is it's really complex to execute because I I believe a lot of it is similar to what we were talking about with what the Patriots did in the Super Bowl. It's mental. It's not just, hey, let's draft. Like for years after the Super Bowl, uh, the Seahawks were really good it was like yeah sure let's just draft like cornerbacks with long arms that'll solve everything and run cover three now it's like hey uh let's pattern match let's get defensive secondaries who can do what new england did in the super bowl and disguise coverages pre-snap and rotate and trick jared goff it's hard to execute though
0: the patriots the new trend is going to be cocaine
1: <laughs> oh. so just for Kyle. <laughs> i guess it sharpens the mind and, uh, chung was great in the super bowl man like Chung Van Noy. It's just, that's what's so annoying about them. It's like, what the, what the Chung, all time great Asian football player.
0: Want to talk politics? Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> you, you're you in that whole Miami world, though. Yeah. I've known Labatard forever. How long? Since I started writing for page two, and he called me and he's like, Why are you calm so long? You're going to die. <laughs> you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> Do you need funny. an editor? He called me out of the blue. I'd never talked to him before.
1: Um, I was just thinking about him when you were talking about Russell Wilson and comebacks because Lebatar's thing is how Philip Rivers is always mounting a comeback down two minutes left in the fourth. Yeah. But now he admits that's kind of the Russell Wilson thing. It is. With better outcomes. But uh, Maybe
0: that's why they established a run because Russell Wilson's telling them to establish the whole thing. <laughs> that's
1: like the Super Bowl conspiracy theory that Wilson wouldn't let them give the ball to Yeah, much. I know. <laughs> I love that
0: one. There's really a second stupid. shooter.
1: Nope. But, and it's dumb. No one blames Wilson. Everyone blames
0: Pete Carroll, for, because for, he wanted yeah. he wanted his golden boy quarterback to get it. That's like a Friday Night Lights plot. It's, it's not like a real life thing. <laughs> so the whole Miami thing, yeah, you started doing those shows. That's how you got all your TV reps.
1: Yeah, a couple of years You're ago. You're just doing
0: highly questionable over and over again, getting comfortable.
1: And the radio show, yeah, yeah. which is more radio reps. But was, I mean, Dan has uh, been a great mentor to mine at ESPN, was kind of working with him. I guess, made me feel more comfortable being myself in all of these formats, which is not yeah. something, especially when you're a woman, coming into TV, radio, that you're really necessarily comfortable doing. What does that mean? Uh, you know.
0: They have certain expectations because you're a woman that you should.
1: Not they, but I think.
0: The viewers, I mean.
1: Historically, most of the women in sports and TV and radio and not only are in host roles, which is very different, right, but are really polished. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Very polished, and at first I was really, really nervous about that because I wasn't looking and seeing, you know, people who are screwing up like me or just kind of being weird. And Dan, who is also I think not very polished and really embraces that, was someone who said, "Hey, nope, stop, stop, stop trying to be good. Stop trying to just be yourself." And it's so corny, but you have to have sometimes he's unpolished and sweaty. He's so sweaty and foggy. His glasses are <laughs> Can't always foggy. can they put the air now. conditioning on in that
0: studio? What's going on there?
1: It's really cool in there. Not to, I He's mean, just a sweaty guy. It's a small space. I think people who don't understand that, but highly questionable and the Levitar CEO is like cramped into a tiny floor in the Cleveland, Clevelander, the hotel. And so you've got like six or seven people just bouncing around in this tiny, tiny room. And it's part of why I think it's so great because there's this unique energy there. Yeah. But it's really sweaty as a result.
0: The the reps thing, Ride Home was trying to get me to do PTI for a couple of years. And I just wouldn't do it because I was like, I'm going to be bad. And he's like, yeah. you just got to do it. You just got to. So I did it, I think, for four days in 2009. And they were like, you're doing great. You're doing great. And I knew I wasn't doing great. Now, if I watch those old shows, I'd oh probably want to like hang myself. Um, but what really helped me was doing the podcast. And I was getting the reps from that. And then I started to do a little more and a little more. And what really helped me, ironically, was Countdown. Because really? I still didn't know what I was doing, even with that. But hmm. um, the reps of doing that, by the time we got to the playoffs that year, I was like, I actually know how to do this now. And yeah. then I remember I went back. I did PTI with Tony in like February, March 2015. It was right before I left. And I did like two days. And I was like, and I was telling Ryan home, I was like, Tony's going to be surprised. Like, I know what I'm <laughs> doing now. And the first day I kind of, I I was kind of getting him. Yeah. And then the second day he came in, like he had just been like in in the gulag training for, and we just like went at it and it was great. It was so much fun. (laughs) But it took me for six years to feel like I could do that. Cause it's just different. You you have to train yourself to stay still. Yeah. You have to train yourself to um, get rid of every tick you have and- to talk concisely and to sell the other person. And there's just 90 things going on. It's I hard. I
1: was watching my second preseason game on our DVR did. Yeah. And um, I turned to my husband. I said, look, I know we just bought this television and it's really, it's from Best Buy. You like it. It's the biggest, nicest television we ever had, but I'm going to go throw it out the window right, <laughs> right now. I hope you're cool with that because I cannot fucking listen to myself go. Mm-hmm anymore yeah yeah, <laughs> right yeah before they're like i i and it's nine it's, ticks it's you hate your face oh my god i hate my face so much Every,
0: it's just seeing yourself in hd you're like i hate myself <laughs> i just want to <laughs> and, and then yeah. you pick up all these things and it really becomes this self-esteem challenge
1: yes and now imagine you, you
0: have to like rebuild it
1: and now imagine being a woman and on top of all of that yeah uh, the looks that you know people are no um it's crazy. I didn't, I almost didn't say yes to this one, actually. So I have a long history of not, almost not saying yes to things and then yeah. someone talking me into it. So I was like, wow, Demoff, the Rams guy. I was like, this is super flattering that he even thought, but I was like, I can't do it now. And yeah. my agent's like, you got to do this. You got to do this. I'm like, no, I'm going to be so bad. And it's going to humiliate myself, but you kind of have to humiliate yourself before
0: you can get better. That's the thing. And you, and a good move is not to look at Twitter plus.
1: I, I fuck, I, So
0: I didn't look at my Twitter replies the entire time I did countdown.
1: You can't do it live, especially. You can't be like come
0: out of. And I would notice. I worked with somebody who would look at them. Like we would come out of the. We'd be at. We'd be in commercial on the set. Yeah. And they were looking at. I'm like, that's crazy. Because why would you do that?
1: I just told my colleague Sarah Spain about this. The first time I did first take, I was well on with Dominique Foxworth. who's my pal. So it was very easygoing. Yeah. And I'm like feeling myself. I'm like, I got these NBA takes. They're great. I've said some, you know, I've made some jokes. I made the mistake of checking Twitter during a commercial break. Coming back, one of my eyelashes started to like fall off my face because I was crying. Oh, no. <laughs> a, 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 you know, a gender hazard, the moisture. And, oh, and so it God. looked like a caterpillar had like walked across. my. <laughs> it was so dumb. And and so I really try not to check. Um, and even if you know, you can always tell yourself, well, I don't take criticism from anyone I wouldn't take advice from. And this is just some idiot. It still like plants itself in a tiny part of your brain. I think even- someone as accomplished and successful as you, like I it never goes away. Right.
0: No, even if, and by like, the way, you're never going to be that great at it. You know, I'm not saying right. you just anybody, there's always going to be three, four or five things you can do better, Yeah. you know? But I think the key is to just think of like, you're an unfinished product. Not you, but just anybody <laughs> where it's like, I, I'm still going to get better at this. I'm not, I'm right. not going to hit a grand slam every time I do this, but can I be good? The biggest thing when I was doing countdown that first year, you know, we needed somebody to kind of drive the show. And initially it was Wilbom, but as the show went along, I had to take a piece of that and learn how to do like throws to commercials and shit okay. like that. Oh. So I I would write the little intro outro things. And that actually would really help me because when I wrote them, it made it stick in my brain. And I got like semi comfortable, but I didn't really feel like totally comfortable until 2015. Did you ever forever? No, over preparing. I did, but it was. It's bad to over prepare. You know. It's better to just write down the piece of the take, or at least for me, the piece of what I want to say. That's what you're and supposed then to yes. add a bit.
1: Right. I when I first started doing around the horn a few years ago, I used to write down almost everything I would say, and yeah, then you're just it. reciting it. Yeah. Well, not only are you reciting it, you're not going to recite it correctly. So you're going to be like, well, and then actually, is Yardsburg? or well, something. Like um, the place to get to, which to. I feel like
0: I got to, is. You know what you're going to say, but you can also ad lib completely if it goes in a different direction or if you think of something on the fly. Because then once you're listening to the other person, the key is the listening to the other people.
1: Right. Which you can't do if you're over preparing and you're thinking. Yeah. If yet. you're the
0: first couple of years I was doing it, it's like, I'm going to say this yeah. and then I'll say this. And you're not the other person is like, you do not even thinking.
1: I, for this Rams gig, have 150 pages of notes uh, and that I had taken on like the practice squad. I right. read a book about the freaking Rams, which, by the way, was absolutely useless because they're not running any of it in right, the first right. season. So I'm like, yeah, if you want to talk about the difference between wide zone and mid zone, I know that, and I'll never get to tell anyone on earth. Um, but I have to admit, I do like having it all like tucked into some part of my brain and then forgetting it when I. I tr- that's the approach I try to take now. Um, not always successful though.
0: The three person football booth. Yeah. It's had a complicated history. (laughs) It has worked a couple of times though. So we know it can work, but for the most part, um, it's usually they do it because they're not totally sold on whoever the two people, I'm not talking about the Rams, but just in general.
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's necessary Like Nance and Romo was,
0: was the best the last couple years. And it's like, they just wouldn't need a third person. Matt and Summerall, like they didn't need a third person, but I do think there's a way to make it work. I think it's really helped like Van Gundy and Jackson, the early years, the way they played off each other. Um, Depends.
1: I think it's like skill sets. If you want two people who aren't competing. So for someone like me and you or Kornheiser, I think it's useful to pair us with a former player because. Oh yeah. If I'm with Burleson he and he sees a wide receiver, you know, mess up his route or whatever. I'm not gonna talk about that. He, he's much better at commenting on the in game action than me. I it drives me nuts to watching the rewatch because I see everything on the rewatch or if I'm watching like the all 22. But in the game, no, I don't fucking catch like I am not seeing what the guard if the guard's pulling and he's successful. I don't see that in a football game. So Nate says something and then I'll weigh in more on like the macro or the trend or the roster and it feels a little bit more synergistic.
0: Well, your your destiny, like for people like us as the third person, is ultimately the you have to be the curious person. Yes. Why did that happen? What's that? Like you're just constantly
1: like the stand-in for the viewer. You're, yeah, you're of. trying to yeah. just
0: unpeel information and angles from. Like somebody like Nate, where you're like, hey, what? why, did that, why right. did that play out that way? Well, it's
1: like, you love reality. T- you watch The Bachelor and stuff, right? I've
0: been known to watch a couple of those shows.
1: I always think about like, what would I be like if I was on the show? And I think you probably, let's be honest, I wouldn't be hooking up or fighting with anyone. I would be the person who's just commenting like the narrator, right? The stand-in yeah. for the audience. And I kind of feel that way when I'm in a game. Like yeah. I'm not, no one's watching me. And seeing like whether I'm in drama, but I'd yeah. like to have a quip every now and then.
0: So, what do you want to? What do you want to be doing five years from now? You don't think about it.
1: I am kind of like the task in front of me is yeah. what occupies my attention. Um, I have a lot of tasks in front of me at ESPN, so I just tried. I'm like still in the process of trying to get better at all of them because I'm still pretty new to all. The lot problem
0: of them. with that place is. Tell Especially me. when you succeed there. <laughs> no, they just, they want you to do everything. And you have, learning how to say no is the most important right. skill you can have there. Yeah, it's, it's weird. like, no, I'm actually not doing that. I don't care if you're mad at me. Well, it's I'm, like
1: learning how to say no and yes, right? Because for right. the first part of my career, a lot of it has been learning how to do that. And now it's like being a little bit more judicious about things, for I sure. You mean,
0: and we want to put you in a closet. With Bill Barnwell, and it's going to be a second screen watch in the dark.
1: <laughs> I would do that with Barnwell. That's my dude. <laughs> oh God, I
0: just gave them an ESPN Plus idea.
1: <laughs> him, him, and Danny, man, those are my guys.
0: Yeah, my advice would be don't get too attached to ride home because I think in three months <laughs> that dude could be just like walking the Himalayas and trying to like save sheep.
1: He has really diverse interests. He really has nice. taking He's a up guy. He's yeah. uh very, and we we are both really into crosswords and every day send each other our competitive crossword results. Oh my God. And when I, at the beginning of it, I, so I do only Thursday, Friday, Saturday, no big deal. And at the beginning of it, I was just shredding him, you know, cause I'm doing like 15 minutes Saturdays, but yeah. he's so smart that he started to surpass me every now and then. And it's really upsetting to me. It's like he can pick anything and become awesome at it. And I hate that.
0: I like that he thinks he's the Ansel Adams of Instagram. <laughs> The Annie Leibovitz.
1: Yeah. He, he's our he
0: the He has the fun, the most fun Instagram of anyone I follow. because so He's like, look at this bridge. Yeah. <laughs> but it, he actually makes it work.
1: He'll see like a child walking alone in Mexico and take a picture. I'm like, whose child is that? I'm not taking a picture of a random child, but it looks good.
0: I'm doing PTI next month. On, really? Uh, yeah, with Tony.
1: Amazing. And
0: I'm so excited to- um, I'm just doing one day, but i'm um, I'm so excited to be with those guys again because I love those guys they They had a big influence on what we want to do with Grantland and here too, where
1: yeah,
0: when I would go there, I was just so impressed by how everybody worked together and how kind of collaborative it was, and how he was the boss, but he didn't seem like the boss and he was he would hear a suggestion from anybody and consider it, and he just kind of wanted to put people in the a place to succeed. Um, but not tell them what to do. And I thought, I was like, that's how this should probably work. And we were doing 30 for 30 at the same time. And Connor was a lot like that too. And just watching those two things together, I was like, that's probably how this should go.
1: All of Eric's shows are like that too. Highly questionable, Around the Horn, High Noon, which I've gotten to do a few times now. Um, His
0: competitive eating talk show that's coming. you know about that? No. It's called Stuff It In. (laughs) It's two people- they competitive eat as they do the takes of the day. I, they haven't found the cast yet.
1: So I was listening to your- Hashtag
0: stuff it in. Your
1: podcast with Kevin Wilds, you're talking about ideas, and he brought up Slow Ride, the Uber. Yeah, and yeah. this is a show idea I've had forever for like Vice or something, Duber.
0: Duber, So it's an Uber that?
1: that drives around LA, and I I don't know if I can- Describe this in full detail. On Why? It. Well, it, um, this is it's legal in LA. Yeah. So it's like a nice. it's a it's like hot ones, but instead of people doing interviews eating chicken wings, they're doing they're interviews in, in, in a car that's like slowly amassing. With it's robots. like a
0: Escal- like a Escalade. Duber. Duber.
1: I worked backwards from the name.
0: Du- Duber. D- I think that's a really. I don't even think that's a half baked idea. It's a think good that's show, like right? Three fourths.
1: I would sell that to Vice. Vice doesn't.
0: I used to have a thing shows, that could actually probably happen now about the stoned Olympics, where <laughs> it was all these events, but you had to be stoned to have to try to do them. But they were a little bit complicated. <laughs> you had to like soft things and things that would just be a little harder if you were under the influence. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for. That's nobody's really tapped that. There was one show a couple of years ago. Where they would get super high and do like a video podcast, but I feel like it was probably illegal. It's like
1: drunk history, right? Yeah. Kind of like that's what I'm working off of. I mean, it only works if you get people who would be funny to watch. Like Charlie's Saren would be great on Duber, I feel like.
0: So you don't like stuffing in? (laughs) People, you have to eat like 15 hot dogs as you give the takes of the day.
1: Um, Oh like Aaron
0: Rodgers mustache and you're just shoving a chili cheese dog. Did you see Aaron Rodgers mustache, by the way?
1: I did. He does it every year. That one was that one seemed like very Jeremiah Johnson ish though. Yeah, with the Canadian tuxedo. I was impressed by that one. He can grow one. I was good. I
0: think my prediction for Aaron Rodgers, it's gonna start to get really weird, like how Brady got weird two years ago. I think Aaron Rodgers' version of weird, as he starts to drift toward his late thirties with the Packers team, that's nothing's gonna happen. I just see him going off the weirdo rails.
1: I think they're actually gonna be pretty good this year.
0: Why make the case?
1: The defense is significantly better. I like all of the additions they made. Adding the Smiths as their pass rushers, Starius and Preston. Adrian Amos was a great signing. I think Mike Penton's a really good coach too. And I think in a second year, they're going to be a lot better. Um, and I, I, I'm actually like higher on Matt Lafleur. Their offensive—he's co- one of the McVeigh babies. Yeah. Than most McVay people. McVeigh babies. The McVeigh babies. From that the litter. Like I caught McVeigh babies. Um, <laughs> I think he's so stupid. I think he's... Yeah, I think... By the way, I, I know we joke about the McVeigh proximity thing or whatever, but my proximity to him, I feel like that's got to help me out down the road too, You right? like
0: you're 10% better?
1: Should I? Well, no, just people be like, oh, she spent some time around Sean McVeigh. I should throw that. I was thinking also watching the preseason... Oh, like you're
0: saying that as like a sell for yourself.
1: Yeah, from for me. Not that I'm going to That's coach, a good idea. But the there's nothing better than being a Rams third backup quarterback now. Cause of course a team's going to pick up that guy. You know, they got their fourth is this dude, John Wolford, who was a finance guy who got picked up by the AAF, yeah. you know, his story. What team's not going to take him. He's been been in my system for months now.
0: Yeah. But that sounds like a Belichick.
1: I know. And then Belichick we're going to do it and we're all going to get upset about it.
0: Yeah. Um, before oh. we go, what's your favorite reality <laughs> TV show right now?
1: I watch every episode of Bachelor in Paradise. I've, I've watched every Bachelor, like episode, everything in the franchise. Paradise is my favorite, but I watched it all.
0: The Bachelor is turning into a feeder system for Bachelor in Paradise now, much like the real world was the feeder system for the challenge.
1: Oh, so it's like ultimately the better show.
0: It's it's like you see Zion at Duke for nine, for <laughs> not, for four months, but ultimately it's going to lead to his NBA career. That's what Bachelor in Paradise is now.
1: I call it I watch The Bachelor Zone. now
0: going, oh, they're going to be great.
1: Yeah. What do you call it? Bachelor Red Zone. Oh. Because it's all of the, just the fighting and hooking up and you don't have to watch the boring long dates and the getting to know each other stuff. It's just action.
0: I had a whole argument last night about with my wife. Not an argument, but a discussion. <laughs> there was this guy who was in love with Demi,
1: but De- then Derek. Demi had
0: a girlfriend from back home. Christian. And then the girlfriend showed up.
1: Yeah, didn't like that.
0: Yeah, that was aggressive. And then the guy handled it really well. And I was like, if that was a dude, I feel like that guy would be much madder. 100%. And she was like, and my wife was like, why? I don't understand. It would just be anybody she liked. I was like, I don't know. It's like, you could talk yourself into, ah, oh, well, I never had a chance anyway. But if it's another guy, it's like, she liked that guy more than more than me.
1: This is a longer conversation. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps about I'm just talking male about, attitudes towards sexuality. I'm just talking but- about,
0: I would talk myself into- Oh, well, it wasn't me.
1: There's a, it's like a famous episode of Sex and the City about this where Carrie's dating a bi guy, but then she finds out he's oh, yeah, a bi yeah, guy and right. not a girl and she's that. weird about it as yeah. well. Um, Like I said, this is a much like a, but you're right. Uh, by the way, I like how that guy too, his, his mere tolerance of it, the bar is so low for that franchise. He was treated like an American hero on Twitter. Like people are like, Derek for president,
0: he's what a, crap.
1: what a paradigm of. Paragon of talent. He handled it
0: so well. He did. He's that's, on a reality show. That's another
1: thing I think about. I was telling you, like I think about being the like quippy narrator. I also think about how good I would handle like provocative situations and the things I would say. And that's something where I was like, oh, I'd be so good in that scenario as well.
0: Listen, there's no excuse for a man to cry <laughs> during a reality show. In my opinion, unless somebody died
1: yeah I mean, I cried during first take when I saw, you know forty three two four five writing. She sucks, so i I don't think I'm one to
0: no, it's just like dudes for crying. it's it's Bachelor in Paradise. yeah, come yeah. on. it's a I mean, how right. do you get that upset? It's like oh. these are all you're all like in
1: the dude, aquarium
0: swimming around with the dude, other sharks
1: Dylan clinging to Hannah G, who my husband calls yeah. doll because he thinks she looks like a doll. after like three days.
0: I'm right? amazed when anyone cries on this show. It's like, we're this is ridiculous. This I, is like professional wrestling. You guys are actually attached to each other? What's going on? In their defense,
1: I think- There's no defense. I'm going to mount one. I think the reason they act, and they've said this, the former contestants say this, the reason they act so nutty is they are in a, you know, like a test tube for three days with no access to internet. And so they're just sitting around thinking all how like me and Demi. Just being lunatics? Yeah. It's like you're so dialed in and focused on literally nothing else that it's like being at summer camp, right? Where you would fall in love with someone really quickly or get upset about things and everything is the end of the world. Because you're not distracted
0: in any way. You're
1: not thinking about anything else. That's how I I think that it, it literally is like being at summer camp and they're 13 again.
0: I just want to know how some of these people feel when they see themselves crying on camera. At Bachelor in Paradise.
1: I th- have you ever cried on camera?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so
1: incredulous? Cry on camera? is not that, that weird. Uh, me neither, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're looking back. This is one episode of Highly I Questionable. Cry, I cry one. in
1: front of people all the time. But yeah, I don't think they're thrilled.
0: I guess I have lower standards for this show than you do.
1: I mean, I listen, I, I don't know. You, you can't really... Enjoy it if you think of them as actors, even though that's what a lot of them are. You have to kind of suspend your disbelief and I don't like, feel
0: like they're just actors. I don't know if we've come up with the right word for whatever their profession is
1: I think well, first of all, you're right. I think the word you're looking for is dumb. like I think well, they're just mostly not well, a lot of them.
0: It, well, it's like whatever... Susceptible, sh- rather. Whatever a short word would be for, I just want my 15 minutes oh, of fame.
1: you know what they're trying to do. Like, they're Instagram famous now.
0: I, they're have like wanna wannabe influencers? Have you been watching
1: the show for a long time? Oh, yeah. Okay, so like, if you go back and look at earlier seasons, I recently went back in, I don't know why... I can't remember. Nothing was working on my TV. So I Amazon had like a bunch of old seasons and I watched the first episode of like Dez's season. Yeah. That's the one where the guy she really liked quit early. Brooks I like how Aaron. he did the
0: disclaimer of I don't know why. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 like you were
0: flipping Amazon and you're like, oh, Dez's first season. They all
1: had real jobs. It yeah. was such a different era for right. these characters and their motivations were different. They're, it, in some ways it's more entertaining because I think they were all truly just there to find love (laughs) but uh,
0: I don't know so if you're Derek are you going to say on TV after Demi dumps you for her girl back home are you going to say this always happens to me somebody always chooses someone else over me I'm just not giving that intel on camera
1: Derek is I'm I'm sorry I'm not putting that
0: out there in the world
1: you're looking for endgame right maybe and I know I just used the word dumb which is kind of unnecessarily mean but if you're on there not really You're not only are you in that test tube 24 hours a day thinking about one person or whatever, you're thinking about how you're being portrayed on television. I guarantee you Derek was as soon as that was happening was thinking, okay how can I come out of this looking good? What is the best end game for me for this? And he's going to execute it.
0: Sobbing on camera and saying everyone picks somebody else over me? After that part,
1: yeah. I don't know.
0: I thought the fight the semi-fight whatever it was, that dude got body slammed Oh, from yeah. like the top rope.
1: If he had hit, I, like I wood, think he like
0: might have broken his shoulder. Instead
1: of sand, he would. That was would be like a serious. He could have gotten a concussion. Absolutely. Yeah, that was bad.
0: That escalated fast. That was anchorman level.
1: Have you never cried?
0: Brick killed the guy. <laughs>
1: like I know Derek cried on camera, but like the situation, I don't know. Have if you, that
0: guy had cried,
1: oh well, that would have made sense. But no, I I just to go back to the dudes crying on the show thing. I mean, haven't you cried like
0: because. Yeah. I, I just, I guess <laughs> I can't get past the Bachelor in Paradise part of just just having that kind of emotion worked up in three days. Do you like to show Euphoria? Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, so we were doing the Big Little Lies show. Yeah. But I felt like the whole time I was just cheating on it with Euphoria. I was just like, I just can't wait for this show to, I just want to watch Euphoria every night. And I think the reason I liked it so much was the emotion. It really captured that like heightened emotion because like, you know, as a high schooler, this may come as a shocker, but I was not participating in rampant drugs and sex use yeah. um, and addiction, I guess, setting aside fantasy baseball at the time. But I did feel like everything was the end of the world. And I thought that show did such a good ca- job of capturing like the heightened stakes of every single encounter. Every single thing that happens to you when you're that age is like the most important thing that's ever happened to you. And it really got that right.
0: And then they put that on steroids and, and then, right, made it the, the craziest and the version of it. And the
1: crazy eye I thought it was
0: an incredible show. Wesley and I just talked about it yesterday. We I I thought it was the show of the year.
1: It's so good. Well, the season of Succession is so good too. So that's. You know.
0: I think what was surprised me about Euphoria was just how affected I was by the characters. Like I was really attached to some of them. The performance is really hard to do. Whereas Excellent. Big Little Lies was it was gimmicky. I loved it. I watched everything, but ultimately, like it, just kind of came and went. Yeah, and it it just seemed like an elaborate way to just have Meryl Streep on a sh- TV show for seven weeks, right? And that was ultimately the legacy of that season. I think I don't really know. You know, I I thought I just thought season one was just trying to do so much more.
1: Season one also just had an incredible plot. And, and, a, that and a start, middle, finish. Propelling it forward, yeah. and this one didn't. And if you don't have an incredible plot – I mean, I don't think Euphoria has, like, an incredible plot. You have to be invested in the characters and, like, the feelings and didn't really have that either.
0: I still watch Euphoria going, I don't know where this is going.
1: Yeah. I mean, does it bother you – your kids are teens? No, young no, teens? No, it's like my, 80s? my kids –
0: yeah, my 14 and 11, I would never let them watch that show.
1: But does it- I, I, I'll
0: i let my kids watch anything. My I've, kids watch Big Mouth and Good Boys, all that stuff, but not that show.
1: Is, is Good Boys prom- Are we allowed to- I'm really excited to see the Good Boys.
0: I got a screener because my son was badgering me. He's okay. like, you can get things. Just get me this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he honestly watched it eight times in seven days. And I'm, it's his favorite movie ever. And it's really funny. I
1: really want to see it. It's
0: really good. The You'll trailer like
1: made me laugh.
0: It's a good date movie.
1: Also, I just think little children cursing is will never stop being funny to no. me. Like little children doing adult shit. But, well, um, you're
0: going to get it in this movie. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's really
1: good. Oh, I, no, but what I was trying to ask you is I, I've had friends with kids who are, they can't watch Euphoria because it makes them think about their own kids in those scenarios. Do you not feel that way?
0: No, I, well, I'm in good shape so far with these kids.
1: They're pretty young, though.
0: yeah. With the 14-year-old girl is... I don't have to worry about her. It's the My son is the one.
1: He's not a baby Nate. My
0: son is the one who will be crawling out the window when, when he's in the ninth grade and taking an Uber somewhere and we'll never know he left. Like, he's one of those kids.
1: Hopefully not the duper.
0: Not the duper. Um, thanks for doing this. This was fun. I'm glad we did it. Who's who's winning the Super Bowl?
1: So I've got Eagles patched again in the Super Bowl.
0: A lot of Eagles buzz right now.
1: A, lot, a little too much. And I was really early on that. Now I, I don't want to be... Like, I don't want to ride the wave.
0: A lot of people raving about both sides of the line. <laughs> it's one of, those, one of those random football Sounds things. Sounds like something Sorry.
1: I would say. They're going to win it's in a, the trenches again. They're
0: really, really good on both sides of the line.
1: Um, I, I think I'll give it to the Eagles. But I think that the NFC is much more stacked this year. So much so. better. Yeah, it's like an NBA-style thing.
0: I'm doing over-unders with Sal next week, and I'm really – Every year I try to find – this has been going back to since I had my column in the 90s, like the team that, that come out of nowhere, nobody expected them team. And there's a whole recipe for it. And now people are pretty good at just looking at the first mm-hmm. eight weeks of the schedule and all these little things. So now it's like it's flipped even – you have to open in another layer because it can't be the obvious, oh, that's the team. It's got to almost be like, – and I'm looking at the Steelers and I can't yes. stop looking at Great them. Great
1: pick. Totally.
0: I'm not ready to make it yet, but I keep circling them as like everyone's writing them off. Antonio Brown, incredible Ewing theory p- potential. Obviously, he's completely insane. And just the infrastructure. I don't think their division's very good. Yeah. Everyone just has the Browns penciled in, and it's like they've won nothing yet. I have no idea if Friday Kitchens is going to be good. Like, um,
1: So I'm looking at
0: them. I'm 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 circling them. I'm not ready to commit to it.
1: I think they're a great pick. I think the offense is gonna be fine. I I was worried about the defense. I don't think the secondary is good, but apparently Devin Bush is the second coming of Bobby Wagner. So they always seem to find some
0: random receiver out of nowhere who's like, who's that guy? They're
1: fine. Deontay Thompson. I mean, yes, they could turn, you know, your Kyle into the next great. And Ben
0: took a lot of Lot of shit nah. with the AB stuff, nah. and there are a lot of. I'm not saying he didn't deserve <laughs> it. No, but I I think the perception now is like he's on the oh, other man. side of the mountain.
1: Steelers fans, and honestly, let's Steelers beat reporters are luxuriating in America, like quote unquote, waking up to AB and oh, I know it do, is, it's, it's, it's kind gonna, of a bad look. Like I
0: know, but the thing is, I'm going to be doing so this with Kyrie Irving it. in like April. You
1: really are, yeah. Well, I we talked earlier just to bring it about players I've met who I didn't have the greatest experience. I, 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 I you know what? I don't want to put Antonio. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just ran a B a few years ago. And I remember walking away thinking that's, that's a, like, there's going to be a lot of,
0: he's a wild card.
1: Did one of the weirdest things I've ever had happen to me at a dinner. We were at a Ruth's Chris pulled out a thing of floss, offered it to me. And I felt peer pressure to do it. So we both just flossed at the table after eating together. Why am I telling this at the Kyle's end? I could have gotten out clean without arguing eyes this. are bulging. Um,
0: that is weird.
1: <laughs> it's really weird. Um,
0: yeah, there are the Steelers they're the Steeler fans, I don't have to deal with them like you do because the Patriots just beat them all the time. So they don't They don't really comment the Pats fans. Seahawks fans, because they beat you in a Super Bowl. I'm sure you take a little bit more.
1: Uh, they're just, not the worst fan base I would say at all but they do—they are very much enjoying this Antonio Brown thing which is, you know I, I, I think they're going to be fine I think you're going to be good Still have You knew one it was bad lines. when
0: there was no benefit to getting rid of him Like they're paying for him benefit. not to play Passed there Yeah, like it, actually was, in right. space. it was actually really damaging for them to just be like yeah, we'd yeah. rather not have this guy and that's how they operated they were like you know what this is actually better for us
1: Well, he was just he wasn't going to He said he wasn't going to play. I mean, who knows if that was true,
0: but. There's a lot of fun takes that are just going around now that are just, and one of them is people forget James Conner's really good. It's like, no, nobody, nobody forgets, forgets he, that. He yeah. won just about everybody in their fantasy league last year. People Pe- know who James Conner is.
1: People forget would be a great People forget. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> that is a good one. People That'd forget.
1: That'd be a good segment.
0: Uh, Ride Home just created a oh. show.
1: People forget people forget 4 30
0: ESPN two. It's after Duber. Um Mina, this was a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you. All
0: right. Thanks so much to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Don't forget about Mina's podcast with Lenny. Um, don't forget to watch Mina on the Rams games this week. And don't forget about the rewatchables. Fatal Attraction is up right now. Back next week with multiple new podcasts, including the return. I don't know how many seasons row. we've done this uh, over-unders for NFL, me and Sal. Uh, double podcast, half on mine, half on his. So that's all coming next week. Enjoy the weekend, everybody.